I'm TJ Walsh, and you're listening to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. Take a front row seat to hear conversations with successful musicians, producers, actors, visual artists, designers, directors, marketers, and more, and learn about their perspectives and approach to leadership, creativity, innovation, and growth. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to have here Jessica Joy London, who goes by Joy. Um, I have loved getting to know Joy over the past little while here. I, I ran into her or I first came in contact with you, Joy, like years ago at an art festival um, at the Crane Art Building in Philly. And I bought like a little oval piece from you. I You, I, you probably do not even remember this, but I bought a I little... I know the piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> I bought a little oval piece from you and it sits like up in my up in my like living area. And that was my first encounter with you. And I was like, this person is doing some really like interesting stuff. And then over the course of time, I've kind of followed along with your with your career and your studio and um, your teaching. And I'm just so excited that you're here uh, to hang out with with all of with me and the listeners uh today. Um, but before we get into our conversation and, and why we're having, why you're here, can you just give us an idea of who you are and what kind of stuff you put out in the world? Sure. So I uh, have an MFA and which you don't need to be creative, by the way, but I didn't believe in myself. So I thought that that would help me do that. So anyway, after my MFA, I showed in museums and galleries, gave like museum talks and was like, kicking butt and doing awesome with my art. And then I moved to Philadelphia with a new baby and had to start over again completely and could not get foothold in the gallery world here. Um, So I sort of dug deep and realized that I really wanted to make art accessible to people and that that's what I've been doing since I was a little kid. So I explored many different ways to make art accessible. Yeah, like I was painting on scarves, I was making jewelry, I was in the fashion incubator in Philly. And I realized that the best way to make art accessible is to help people create it themselves. So I started Project Joy Studio in 2017, and I have been running workshops and creating art kits since then. And they've come a long way. And I feel like five years later, I'm just now like really like feeling like good, like good movement with my business. And that's awesome. I'm transitioning back over into like finding a good balance between my business and my own creative work. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an interesting thing to even talk about. How do we find, how do we find balance in our creative life? You know, as, as an artist with your own, your own vision and your own body of work while simultaneously a lot of the time, helping other people discover their creativity and identify their vision and and their process, right? right. Um, and so that word process is something that I want to spend some time with you on because I think all of us as, as artists, whether we're visual artists or musicians or actors, writers, whatever, right? We all have a, a process that we have either been brought into or have cultivated ourselves through our through our you know journey of making um and your process as i've been learning has gone from something that was more 
you know, gosh, like academic and traditional, traditional, great word. Perfect. Traditional, right. To super experimental, right. And, and super like, you know, just organic and flowy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that that is something that, you know, you have a really kind of personal story about. Um, But I think what I want to do and what I'd love to do and what I think people crave is to know that they don't have to remain in a particular, you know, box, right? If they're feeling frustrated or resistance when they're making, maybe they're not working in the right lane. Maybe they haven't found their process flow yet. Right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, about your journey into finding your process and then, and then we can go from there. I think that's a good place to start. Absolutely. So when I was in undergrad, I, you know, took the classes that you take in art school. I took painting classes. I took life drawing classes. I took, um, like electronic media classes. And in these classes, you're given assignments, right? They tell you what to make, what materials to use. Um, and you, you know, you grow up the, the most accessible art that, you know, I find is, you know, paintings and drawings. So that's what you think art is. And, and it's the first place you go, but it's not where you need to stay. And so, Um, I found that when I was in undergrad, I was doing these paintings. I mean, I had my work in the Smithsonian and all over the place, but it took me so long to make that work. Uh And not that that's a bad thing, but for me, I like was beating myself up about it. Um, And I just like, didn't feel like I was in a flow. I I found that I didn't want to know what I was going to make before I made it because then I felt like a technician and not Mm, an explorer, you know, like I want to be surprised. I want to discover something new when I sit down and make work. I don't want to have the end result in front of me and be, you know, having to discipline myself to sit down and make that a reality. I want to discover something beyond what I can like already imagine in my head. So I think that's, you know, what we're all craving. We're all craving like, you know, surprise. We love opening up presents that we don't know what's inside. And if you can think about like your art process and sitting down and creating as like a present you're giving yourself, but you don't know what it's going to be. I think there's a natural curiosity that is actually energy that drives you to create. And that is like where like the power of art lies for me. Mm could be different, you know, for other people. But I think letting go of this expectation of what the art should look like and just sitting down and seeing what happens is really powerful. And so in grad school, I came up with this kind of crazy idea. And, you know, a lot of a lot of us um, sort of bring in elements from memories right from our childhood and I just happened to spend a lot of time in the hospital as a kid but so I brought I thought of the idea of taking an IV bag putting ink in it and letting it drip on top of Yupo paper in the shower and it was like I said you know there's thousands of ideas passing through my head Right. At any given moment, as like with many artists, but this idea like was so weird that I was like, I gotta try this. Right. You just couldn't pull away from that idea. You couldn't get it out of your head. You were like, I have to just let this thing 
exactly no matter how crazy it sounds right Mm -hmm. like and honestly that's where the best ideas lie in the crazy ones um so i did it and the next morning i checked on this piece of art and it looked like a photograph of the surface of mars it wasn't pretty but it was more photographic than anything i had ever done and i had been selling you know photorealistic portraits in high school so Right. I was like, You're like mind right. blown at that moment. Like, what did, I just, what did I just stumble, stumble across here? Like, exactly. This is exciting for me. Exactly. So, but here's where um, the roadblocks start to come in. Like you discover this new thing and then you're like, okay, well, how, like, where do we go from here? How do I push this forward? And so I got more of those materials and tried, you know, tried to think about like how I would continue on and all of the like weight of the decisions that we have to make before we start a piece of art just came tumbling down on me. So like, I was the like stuff that make you, they were just saying like made the process so long and so slow right. all of a sudden showed up in this new right. exciting discovery place that you landed and I can imagine you're going oh my gosh no not this thing again right yeah exactly and I was like well what colors am I going to use like I don't want to use the same colors again like I want to discover a new color palette so what I did was I lined up all of my art in a grid and gave it numbers and Mm -hmm. rolled the die to tell me which color I was going to use but as I put each individual variable into like a system into this system a new like decision would then you know a new invisible decision would then become visible to me i I would say well how many colors well wait how much water do i because i was working with a lot of ink so i was like Mm -hmm. how much water do i add to this ink right and then um like how do i what do i apply it to the paper with with a brush with a bottle with a pipette like, so there were so many invisible things that I was doing all, all the these time variables, right. That were weighing on me that I didn't even realize were weighing on me. And I just kept putting it into the system. And before I knew it, I had like a formula that was like 10 steps long and I would write it in a log book. I'm like, you know, part artist, part like mad scientist. <laughs> and I would then, and I had a, I rolled out a 10 foot by 10 foot piece of Yupo paper mm-hmm. in the common area of my grad studio. And I would walk to the coordinates that I rolled the dice to figure out where I was going to enact this formula. Hmm. And I basically ended up doing like performances. <laughs> I mean, not intentionally, but it's what I was doing. Right, I, right. Yeah. Right. It was, this, so, it was this like dance almost of, you know, working through this process and, and moving, moving through it. Um, exactly. Each time it was, each time it, became necessary to make the next move. You know, I'm hearing this, you know, you're coming from this place where you were feeling like a technician, right? You were you were feeling like someone who, you know, was just not finding, you know, passion or joy in the in the making. It was taking a really yeah. long time. Right. Um and then you had this kind of revelation or this idea um, where you just couldn't get it out of your mind, right? You had to just let it drip literally. And then you, mm-hmm. and then what I'm hearing you say is, well, then all of that stuff that was heavy on me from 
previous making came back and now I have to try and figure out a way to, you know, um, structure it so that, so that I, I can continue to feel, feel freedom in the making. Right. 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 To stay in the space of like play. Right. Because as soon as you go from, you know, the, the initial thing that I did with the IV bag was a space of play and experimentation, but then, you know, you're in grad school or you need to make work now. And it's how do you stay in this space of play while yeah. you know, hitting these deadlines, you know, or w- while, you know, being consistent and showing up in your creative practice consistently. Yeah. And essentially, I gamified the creative process for myself. So I went from like making maybe one painting in six months to making uh well let's just say that i made probably about 200 paintings in nine months <laughs> okay so and, yeah, I'm not really... <laughs> and you're not what over exaggerating over exaggerating I... yeah i bet you're not because you just freed yourself up right you just opened yourself up yes it was almost like you were gamifying your your whole process, right? Yeah, gamifying the process totally changed everything for me. I was showing up with energy that I didn't have before in my creative process. And um, I was able to, you know, make changes like over time. And I discovered so many other possibilities by doing this. So that's really what gamifying does is, and anybody can start that way. Or, you know, if you don't want that to be your whole creative process, that's like totally legit. But it's a great way to start if you're feeling stuck. So one thing that I would say is like, you know, with whatever art supplies you have, just give them a number and then do a random number generator and say and generate it for how many art supplies you're going to use and then which ones. So if you, you know, generate the number six, then do it six more times to tell Uh you which numbers of the things to use. And then just grab those art supplies and just see what happens. Like just see what you can make with with those random combinations and it'll get your creative juices flowing and um, help you, you know, find new things. That's awesome. When I went to art school, I actually went through a design program. Mm -hmm. um, And so I'm trained as a designer initially and design, right, is at least the way I took my training and understanding is, you know, you need to have confines, right? You need to have boundaries. You need to have a set of, a set of conditions, right? Um, In order to organize your composition and uh, convey or communicate your message. If you don't have conditions and all you have are like tons of variables, um, it's going to like one probably be super pretty overwhelming um, as the designer or artist, but it's also going to create a a piece of communication um, or storytelling that isn't super like gelled together. And so that's why we, that's why they're like foundational design principles to start from. Um, And, you know, that is true. Those design principles carry out or carry through, you know, all of the visual arts whether that's mm-hmm. painting or or um, sculpture or design, right? And so I like what you're saying is like set some conditions up, right? That will give you the freedom then to play, 
to explore, to expand. Um, conditions and boundaries or guardrails, so to speak, aren't actually limiting at the end of the day. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you and I were talking and, you know, we were saying that oftentimes people believe that they're either creative or not creative. Like it's this like black and white thing um, or, you know, they they believe that, you know, they are only this. And so they they can't expand into that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that your your philosophy, right, of creativity um, stems from a place of playfulness and a place of exploration. And so I wonder what you say to those people who believe that, yes, I am or no, I'm not, right? Or I do this, so I can't do that. How do you get them to like have a, have a mental shift um, so that they can maybe explode in an area that they never thought possible for themselves. So when I run workshops, I, you know, meet a lot of people who are creative and then bring their analytical friends along. And I've had so many conversations with them and a lot of them are like, I would like to be creative, but I don't even know what I would make, or I don't have time to like master those skills. And what I've done is my process, it allows you to create something from your curiosity rather than Mm -hmm. from your skill, your skill sets. And so I say, and I have this on my kits too, is if you can spill milk, you can create a beautiful piece of art. And what I'm really saying is if you can let go and be okay with like making a mess and not worrying about the outcome, then you can make a beautiful piece of art, right? Mm. Because we, when we spill something or our kids spill something, we're like, (laughs) but no, Mm-hmm. Maybe the next time your kids spill some <laughs> milk, maybe you can help them make it into like a funny shaped puddle, you know, or like make this puddle into a bunny or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't let even go of that frustration, yet. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let but, go of that immediate frustration or that immediate like reactivity to uh like this judgment. is yeah, judgment. Judgment, that is huge. I even heard you talking about that creeping into your new process when you discovered it, right? All of those things, like all these decisions, all of these things, uh, and I and you know conditions that you weren't looking at as friendly conditions, but like uh weight. Um, you know, you had to work at letting that letting that fall away. Yeah, I mean I I think. Right. And, and that leads me to something like really important. Like I created this process for myself because I really needed it. I grew up in like a really like horrible situation. And when you grow up like in an abusive situation, Mm. like you want to control everything to keep yourself safe. So I think like what I needed to learn time and time again, what was to let go. Um, So that's another reason why I think that I found this process. So With that being said, like, I would encourage you to think about when designing a process for yourself, think about what do I need? Um, So for instance, I'll give you another example. A few years ago, I, I noticed that I had a really hard time like getting out 
outside and moving my body outside. And I, you know, cause I'm a studio body and a home yeah. body. <laughs> uh -huh. And I was like, okay, like what can I do to get myself to move around outside? What creative process can I create? So I created a series called walking meditations where mm. I would walk around my neighborhoods and around my studio neighborhoods and other neighborhoods eventually and collect materials wherever I was. So leaves, flowers, I would just notice where I was, you know, and I collected trash and just anything that was around me that I thought would make um, interesting um, artifacts in my, my ink process. And I would bring them back to the studio after my walk and create paintings with them. And the paintings are so, were, it was so cathartic and so therapeutic to feel good about myself because I was doing something that was really hard for me to do. Hmm. And for me, uh, an art process is the best carrot ever. So, so, you know, if you need to work out, if you need to drink more water, if you want to drink more tea, like what can you do to, des to design an art process around that need that you have? Huh. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. I've never actually thought about utilizing art practice to spill into other areas of your life to help you to help you along to move you forward and, and propel and propel your life I just think that that's a way like I know like in my grad program they were very big into like getting outside the art bubble so mm -hmm. I had to take classes like in other grad programs so I was in like the school of social work and I was in like the school of public health and I was in a biomed lab for like a couple of years and which helped me like gain a pro uh, process based like a approach like operations and stuff like that and so I think what makes um, an artist work really amazing is when it integrates you know your experiences and your life and your vulnerabilities into it and so like specifically vulnerabilities when you see like a powerful art show about like something vulnerable that an artist went to through yeah. it is so powerful and it's like it connects you and it you know humanizes things and and so I think a great again a great question to start with is what do I need what do I need and what do I need and how can I create a process or, like to help me do for myself what I need or mm. get for myself what I need because what you need is usually like around you know based around some sort of you know vulnerability right, right. or something that you're not happy with um right so I'm either trying yeah, to like get a need met or protect myself right in some way when we have when we have these vulnerabilities show up it's usually around those things you're right and so asking yourself okay what do I need? How can I, how can I, how can I take care of myself? And how do I do that is a really great set of questions to, to ponder both in life, right. And, and in the studio. Exactly. exactly. And it's also about healing, right? So like, how, how can you use art and design a process to help you heal? And again, you know, what do I need? I think is a great way to help you find like what you need to heal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's so many different reasons, or I know that there's so many different reasons why artists, people create and make things. Um, but I, I truly believe that all of those kind of, 
you know, higher level reasons uh, to make and to be to be creative are are at their core, you know, about, you know, learning more about oneself, understanding, understanding the human experience, um, coming in contact with with one's humanness in ways that, you know, especially now in today's world, we don't have many opportunities to touch. Um, And so oftentimes when people are thinking, you know, I'm not creative, right? I'm not like a good, I I can't be an artist. Um, They're thinking in their mind that they need to, you know, do those photorealistic renderings, right? right? Or they need to, you know, create something that that will oh, I will never be able to get something in a museum, right? I no gallerist is going to pick me up and and want to show my work and sell it. Um, that's really not that's all made up stuff, right? It's exactly. great. It's great if that is what you want and that's a goal and you can pursue that goal and you'll get there. Um, but at its base, human beings, or at our base, at our core, human beings are creative beings. And through creativity, through making, through using our hands, through tactile means, mm-hmm. through engaging with our body, which I love that project that you did to get yourself moving uh, and getting okay. out there in the world, through using and engaging our body, that's how we find healing, right? Yeah. That's how we find health, right? Um, it's not this cognitive exercise. And I love that that's where you bring in to your studio and run your workshops. You got these creative people coming in, but they're like dragging along their analytical friends who are like stuck up in their head. Right. And then all of a sudden you're helping them drop down from their head into their body just by right. What spilling something maybe initially. No, right. exactly. I When I run a workshop, I have them do three pieces because I, I don't want them to feel like, oh, this one has to be good, you know? So right. I'm constantly like figuring out ways to like take the pressure off. So, and then I, I give them two instructions to start each, the first two paintings just to help initiate them into a space of play. And it works every time. As soon as they do the first drop and see what happens, they complete like their kit, their inner child comes out instantaneously. That's awesome. And I've only had one person in five years have a hard time getting like out of their head. And, and they were a very, very, very um, detail oriented artist who did very geometric, like detail. Their work is beautiful, Uh but totally opposite of this process. So I think, um, you know, everybody, can get into that sense of play it's just a matter of knowing how right like if we don't know it's a possibility then we don't know to do it right they need to be we need to be led to led to something you know if especially something that's so new and out of the box for us um because you know we're also we're also pretty habitual creatures right who right. who who like to find something and stick with it even if it like isn't working sometimes for us so we right. have to kind of be led to led to and given permission right to just play right. one of the things that right. i do upstairs in my studio 
um, to kind of uh, help myself along. And I know, um, I know some other people who do this as well, um, because it can be paralyzing to stand or sit in front of like a perfect or seemingly perfect, pristine, like canvas or paper. Right. right? Um, so like I will, you know, n- purposely like drop it on the floor or something or <laughs> you know allow my allow my one of my well now I have two sons but for a while it was just one like allow my one of my kids to um like make a mark on it um something to shift me from this like this is an expensive exactly. piece of material <laughs> And, oh my gosh, I'm going to, like, there's so much pressure on me to, like, do it right to make it something good. But if I somehow deface it or make it, like, not so perfect, all of a sudden that, like, releases some of that tension, right? Because it's not this, like, beautiful piece of white thing. Right. Any longer. Um, So that's one way that I kind of allow myself to be free from some of that, you know, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that before I found the process that I use now, I used to do something sort of similar. I used to close my eyes and be like, yeah. (laughs) And then open them and then respond to that mark. And then respond to that mark. Yeah. 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 Because honestly like that i mean that's what my work is about is you know a call and response almost a conversation between you know me and the the elements that i'm using the paint that i'm pushing around right um and it becomes just basically you know that like respond to that mark that you just made right take that away put that back down right but before i can get there it's just like this like expanse of blankness and it's like i can't move there it's like controlling me you know right so- i think that that blankness is is like is a representation of like all of the possibilities. Like when it's blank, literally you could make anything appear on that paper. Yeah. And as soon as you, the more you do, the more it, you know, you know, whittles it down and the less, the less pressure you feel. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I was just upstairs in my studio yesterday and you know i hadn't been up there in a while cuz the way i the way i work people who are listening have probably heard me talk about this before but the way i work is like in fits and starts right i mm-hmm. will like have this like massive like explosion of quote unquote productivity in in the studio where i'll just be painting every day i'll like be up and down multiple times a day right? Like I have like really like impulsive moments and then like very slow and kind of like dead moments, right? And so I haven't been up there in a while, but I went up there anyway yesterday for the first time in a while and I had left on the wall um, like a, I think it's like four feet square or something. Um, 
from, you know, a few weeks ago or the other month, I came back to it and I remember leaving it initially. I was like, okay, so this piece is probably done, um, but I don't know. And then like I fell off and then I went back upstairs and it was still there. And I was like, no, I don't think it's done. And then like I went and I just like added stuff to it. And I was like, shit, like I just like ruined this thing and all of this judgment came, came came back on me and I'm like I just ruined it but what I know about me and my process is that when I do that kind of thing when I go up there and I like make what I in the moment would deem to be a mistake I my process is I need to go away I need just I need to go away from that and then I need to come back with fresh eyes and then I know that I can then have another conversation with with that painting right because i don't ever believe really that you can especially in in the way that you and i create um we're very different in our process but i think similar in our in our mindset i don't really believe that you can ruin a piece of work really right um it might not be what you think or envision it to be right but for me, it's a conversation and these works are their own, their own thing anyway. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's sort of an artifact of the conversation, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I, I love that. I, and I think that, you know, stepping away is like really important. I, I think it's completely like unrealistic to think that you will be working on the same piece like day after day after day. Um, right. One of the, a couple of other things that I have set up for myself um, to help me not deal with the judgment of not working enough on something is to always work on multiple pieces at a time, because then you can, when you get stuck on one, you go to another one and you're like unconsciously working out what needs to happen on where you were stuck. And then the work is more cohesive because you're working on it at the same time. And then you don't feel that preciousness of that one mm-hmm. piece. So yeah. you can let go. Yeah. Of well, that exactly like what you, over. yeah. And that's exactly what you do with your, with your workshop participants, right? You say, okay, exactly. we're going to make three things. You're going to make three things because exactly. you need to have the ability to move around. And you also, like you just said, it removes the preciousness of exactly. that of one thing and so right. with the, we just have a few minutes left and i want to give you an opportunity joy to talk about um your your workshop your workshops and your art kits um i know that um and you can tell me if this is no longer true but i remember when you initially you know said you wanted to come and, and hang out with me on on the podcast uh, you were offering a free virtual workshop with the purchase of any of your kits. Is that still a thing? And if it is, pitch it to us so that people can maybe check that out. No, absolutely. And the reason why I want to do that is because I know it's hard to try something new. So if you want to try something new, um, you can buy the kit and I will guide you in starting this new nice. thing. Um, nice. And let me, I'm going to walk you around my studio for a second. Oh, sweet. Here's, there we go. We got a little tour going on here. Leftovers from my workshop yesterday. So, so many cool possibilities and materials that I use. 
and puzzles. Oh, when you were at uh, Art for the Cash Poor at the Crane Arts Building, that was the beginning of my puzzle. Yeah, and I got one of those too. I got that. Oh, I got that oval piece, and I also have a little like a little puzzle too, oh, which was awesome. So yeah. So here is my big kit. Okay, nice. The art art and nature collaboration kit. All you need is curiosity. What is not needed? Experience, paintbrushes, worry, a lot of time, or a creative bone your body i love that and for people who are listening to listening to uh the podcast and not seeing seeing us on on video um like some other people will that kit it looks like it has like some organic material some like plant material um uh is that a canvas or something in there or uh, so, some kind of so substrate you've got six round pieces of yupo paper cut okay. into a that are six inch circles you have a wooden panel with a keyhole in the back to easily hang it on nice. your wall. Okay. So whichever of the six pieces you make are your favorite, you can mount it on the wooden panel. And there are awesome. instructions and there's glue, there's a pipette, there's mini prints inside with instructions on the other side. So, so really there's so much stuff. And the natural materials are super cool. Yeah. Like wow. skeleton leaves and other cool materials and then, yeah this is this is really cool everybody and what are you showing us here so this is uh one of the paintings from my walking meditation series and you can see like the garbage that i collected sort of there uh, wrapping around the flower area but basically for you guys that can't see it looks like a very photorealistic painting that i made without using any brushes yeah so i use um natural phenomena like surface tension and other um, natural phenomena that create the the um, like a ring that would you would get on your countertop from your tea or your coffee. It's the same natural phenomena creating the details in your painting. And awesome. then one thing here's what I used to make before I used brushes or before I did this process when I used brushes. Oh wow, such a different. Yeah, yeah yeah and you know the work is obviously beautiful but right. inside it didn't feel i didn't have the energy to create this work so i found something that worked better for me yeah yeah well so, so everybody this is going to be i'll i'll link um i'll link the video to the youtube channel in the show notes uh, for for you so that you can definitely get there just like all of the episodes of the bold creators collective podcast are also on on my youtube channel so you can always find the video content as well because especially with this conversation that we're having with joy you want to see her studio you want to see the things that she's making or the 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 things that she's using to make these these beautiful these beautiful works of art um so joy it looks like project studio uh, projectjoystudio.com is your is your is your workshops um people can find it there i'll put the link to get and purchase the kits in the show notes and then i'll also link over to your own um your own artwork i'll link them to your site so that you okay. can they can find that um okay, thank awesome. you thank you so much for hanging out with us um, I'm really glad that you did give us tons of insight um, to be able to free ourselves. If we're if we're artists that make every day, we're artists that are just thinking about starting to make. 
uh, we all can use that encouragement, that permission to let go, right? And to be free and to let ourselves heal through the power of our hands and our and our process. So thank you so much for reminding us of that. You're welcome. And I'll just leave you with one more um, thing. Yeah. Remember that your creative process is yours. You can make it fit you. You can work for five minutes a night on something. It's, It's completely up to you. There's no wrong way for you to create art. So don't feel guilty you know, if what you're doing now isn't working. Right. Well, that is a perfect encouragement to end on. Everybody, this has been the Bold Creators Collective podcast. Our guest has been Jessica Joy London. And I hope that you're leaving feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to just like burst forth with your creative process. I will talk to you all soon. See you around.